the nursing home. My mother-in-law is a fiercely independent woman who at 90 still lived in her own home. That is, until the day when she got out of her armchair, took an awkward step and fell. For a long time, everyone in the family had the same unspoken fear. What will happen if she has a fall? It was like living with a time bomb. The subject was difficult to broach. Jean wanted to stay in her own home and any other suggestion felt like betrayal. Like all of us, she hoped she would go to bed one night and not wake up the next day. The night Jean fell, she crawled back across the tiled floor to her armchair. She had shattered her hip. Luckily, she had her mobile. Her first call was to her daughter, not triple zero. By the time the ambulance arrived to take her to hospital, she was out of her mind with pain. The doctors decided to operate, even though they were concerned about the effects of the general anaesthetic. We didn't think Jean would pull through. She survived the operation, but when she awoke, the pain returned with a ferocity that sapped her will to live. She pleaded with us to end her suffering. She didn't want to go on. It was difficult to watch. We all felt helpless and unprepared. When Jean was admitted, her full name and date of birth were recorded. Her legal name is Janet, but she has never answered to this name. Everyone calls her either Jean or Janny. While for years Jean had doggedly guarded her independence, she nevertheless readily submits to authority. From the moment she was admitted and her full name entered into the medical database, she became Janet, a name she had never liked, and part of her identity was stripped away. After a couple of weeks in hospital, Jean was moved to the acute ward of a much smaller hospital in a country town. She received excellent care and, with some physiotherapy, managed to take a few steps with assistance. There was a short period where she seemed to understand that her only way out of this predicament was to learn to walk again. Unfortunately, this lasted only a week or two before she fell into a depressive state. Once more, she began to talk about wishing to die. Considering the current spotlight on mental health, it surprised me that no psychological help was on offer for her increasingly depressed state of mind. Jean still talked about returning home. Some days she confided that she had no longer had a clear picture of where everything was in the house. This distressed her. I didn't feel like it was my place to burst that bubble. However, with each day she spent immobile, the possibility of going home became increasingly remote. During this time, Jean lamented that she could no longer remember certain parts of the house with clarity and, she began to, and it began to really bother her. Her thoughts looped like a coil, how much she owed me for some hand cream, whether the gardener had cut back the roses in time and when the next instalments of her rates were due. She worried about forgetting the things that still connected her to the outside world, 
So she repeated each of these thoughts over and over in her mind. After three months in hospital, the hip had healed, but Jean hadn't. Her daughter found a modern, well-resourced aged care facility not too far from where she lives, and Jean moved in. When I go to see her there, I can't fault the nursing staff. A genuine culture of care is evident in the way they interact with the residents. The food is quite reasonable and the room is bright and clean. The furniture is stylish and each room has a large television set for entertainment. Jean sits in a, at a large window that faces onto the courtyard where the birds can be seen flitting from one tree to another. The view is serene, but it isn't home. Jean tells me that one night a man in a wheelchair had made his way into a room before staff could come to wheel him away. This frightened her. And sure enough, the same man wheels himself partway through the door while I sit on her bed. He's convinced it is his room. A member of staff arrives and wheels him away, telling him that he won't find what he's looking for in Janet's room. Jean looks dismayed. I mustn't complain, she says though she is trying to convince herself that everything is as it should be. When I walk through the lounge area, a number of residents are playing a quiz without much enthusiasm. A carer reads trivia questions and beckons the oldies to answer. What is the largest city in Africa? No, it's not Johannesburg. That's right, Nancy, it is Cairo. I cringe, recognising the patronising tone that I wish wasn't there. Don't worry, I have chocolates for all of you, the carer croons. She proceeds to the next question on her list. Back in Jean's room, lunch arrives. She doesn't like the soup. I've gone off, pumpkin, she says. But there's no point in telling them what I don't like. It comes anyway. And later, I like the muesli here. But I wish the milk was warm. I always heated my milk in the morning. It seems like such a small thing, but when your life is reduced to meals, bathroom visits and the telly, the smallest things become magnified. I take some cups to the dining area as Jean is running out of space on her tray. A woman in her 80s, slumped in a wheelchair, looks up. She's becomes, she becomes animated as she sees me advance towards her. Scusi, scusi, she pleads. I see an open notebook resting on her lap. Two phone numbers in spidery writing dance across the page. Phone? You have phone? She asks in a thick accent. I don't, not on me. She reaches out, holds my hand, and I cannot look away. There's desperation in her eyes. I, pro I promise to return with my phone. Thank you, thank you, she says over and over. Maria, my name is Maria. I dial the first number and get a message from Optus. The number is incorrect. I try the second. This time the phone rings. I hand it to Maria with trepidation. Part of me feels I shouldn't be complicit in this. Christina, it's Christina. Please come, please take me home. I know like it here. Please, Christina. Maria is fighting back tears now. Why oh, no, Christina? No. 
No, he no come. And then, okay, bye. And she hands back the phone. Now it's my turn to fight back tears. My name's Maria. I come from Italy. Three children. I have three children. And what you get? Nothing. All the way from Italy. What for? You get old and they treat you like dirt. She almost spits the last phrase to get the taste of dirt out of her mouth. I squeeze her shoulder and slowly walk back to Jean's room. Over the next few hours, I become acutely aware of the constant noise and movement around me. Jean likes to keep her door slightly ajar. The corridor outside is a busy place where residents come and go. Squeaky trolleys are wheeled along and everyone speaks too loudly. Not even the television can master commotion. I imagine myself living here, me, who craves stillness and silence. The nights are the worst, says Jean. I can't sleep and I can't have sleeping pills. I just look at the clock and watch the minutes go by. I take my leave when her evening meal arrives. I plant a kiss on her head and say goodbye. Walking out to the car park, the sun, lower now, still warms my back. It is a long wait until morning.